If you have your Bible, we're turning to Paul's letter to the Philippians this morning. Philippians chapter 4, please. Philippians and chapter 4, just before the book of Colossians. And after Ephesians, you'll find the book of Philippians, Paul's epistle to the Philippians. And if you turn to chapter 4, please. Chapter 4 and verse 1 of Paul's letter to the Philippians. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech you to say and syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord, and I entreat thee also, true, true yoke fellow, help those women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, which names are, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but on everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the God of peace, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And we know the Lord will add a blessing to the reading of his word to our hearts this morning. I want to bring your attention to a portion of the word of God that has gripped me all week. A portion of the word of God that I'm sure many of us have heard preached on before. But a portion this morning that I believe that if every one of us in this meeting really got a grasp of it. If we really got a grasp of these words that I'm going to bring before you this morning. I believe from the heart of God. It would change every single one of us that we would probably never be the same again. They're the last five words of the fifth verse of this chapter. If you cast your eye to it, Paul says the Lord is at hand. You know, dear friends, this morning, as I have already said, if every one of us as believers really grasped that truth, our lives would be radically changed. And as the Lord has really burdened my own heart through the week with these five words, just like the five stones that David put into his shepherd's bag as he went down to face Goliath, I trust even this morning that they will speak to your own heart. There's many ways that I could apply this text this morning. I could apply it prophetically to the church. The Lord is at hand. You know, dear believers, this morning there's a moment coming and it's coming very soon where the Lord will come back and the Lord Jesus will come in that moment and faith will give way to sight. The trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. The Lord is at hand. Paul, whenever he was writing to the believers at Corinth, he said in chapter 7, he said, the time is short. The time is short. 
You know, dear friends, this morning, if you and I as believers really grasp that truth, that the time is short, that the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Paul could say in Romans chapter 13, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. You know, that's a challenging thought. That's a challenging thought that before this day is out, every one of us could be standing before the judgment seat of Christ. We can't hide. We can't run. Our excuses will be of no value. The Lord will come back. The Lord is at hand. But not only could I apply it prophetically to the church, I could apply it judicially to the world. Because the moment whenever the Lord Jesus comes back, the divine calendar of God's justice starts to move and the world goes into a period of tribulation the likes of it has never seen before. The stars will fall from heaven. Men and women, I was reading it this morning, there in Revelation, the kings of the earth and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens of the rocks and of the mountains and said unto them, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the, from the wrath of the Lamb. I want to tell you this world is going to face judgment someday. Shall not the judge of all the earth do that which is right? He will. And it's at hand. Very shortly. Not only could I apply it prophetically to the church and judicially to the world, I could apply it this morning evangelically to the sinner. And if you're in this meeting that you're not saved, if you're in this meeting and your sin is weighing heavy upon you in your moments from a lost eternity, and as we've said, if the Lord was to come back, you'd be left behind and you go into that period of tribulation. The Lord is at hand this morning. The Word of God says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And even as you sit in that very seat, the Lord is willing and able and ready to save you. The Lord is at hand. But you know, Paul wasn't thinking prophetically to the church. And he wasn't thinking evangelically to the sinner. And he wasn't thinking of judicially to the world. He was thinking of this. He was thinking of personally to the saint. The Lord is at hand. And every one of us that are saved in this meeting this morning, I really want to burn that into your soul, that the Lord is at hand personally to every single believer. You know, there's many ways in which this verse has been rendered. Some people have rendered it, the Lord is at thy side. You remember the mighty psalm in Psalm 118? My, it says there, the Lord is on my side. That's a mighty truth. To think whenever we go into the storms and into the battles that the Lord is on our side. But this verse means the Lord is at thy side. Someone else has translated it, one of the old Quakers translated it, the Lord is at thy elbow. The Lord is at thy side. What a comfort. But I want to say this morning, why that's a mighty comfort to us. It's also a mighty challenge to think that the Lord who saved us and died on the cross, the one whom we are going to see very shortly, whenever time shall be no more, he's not only on our side, he's at our side. He's at our very elbow. He's standing by. 
I want to ask you a question this morning. I want to ask you a question during the week. Were you conscious of the silent listener that was at your elbow? I wonder, were you conscious of the the silent observer who was at your elbow? The one who was recording every word, every action, every thought, every deed. The Lord is at thy elbow. You see, dear friends, this morning, many of us as believers think that God's in heaven, some distant sphere. We think that he's away out, way, way out at a far distance, on some throne, in some distant place. But Paul said, in him we live and move and have our being. Paul here to the church at Philippi, he said that he's at your very side. He's at your very elbow. Watching, listening, recording. You know, the world has gone mad because of Hancock. My, he was caught out the other day. And the CCTV camera stuck up in his room, caught him out. But I want to say to your friends this morning as believers, God doesn't have a CCTV camera on you and me. He just stands at your very side. My, they were going mad. He's been caught out. Not a mention of his wife. Not a mention of her husband. You know, dear believer, I tell you, God is at our elbow. He's at our side. Every conversation that we have, he's listening. Everything that we look at, he's watching. Every thought that penetrates through our minds, he's recording. He's always and ever there. Now, if you and I got a grasp of that this morning, would we not live different? Did you ever meet somebody on their own? Maybe it was down the town. Or maybe in a shop and they acted in a certain way. But whenever they were with somebody else, you would hardly recognize them. They behaved in a totally different way. Maybe their husband or family or wife was there. uh, And they were behaving in a different way than what you met them a day or two before. You know, dear friends, this morning I would say of every one of us, every one of us would behave differently. If the Lord Jesus Christ was physically, tangibly beside every one of us, in the workplace, he's standing there. In the car, he's there. In the lorry, he's there. In the yard, he's there. The Lord is at thy elbow, watching, listening, recording. Oh, dear friend, this morning, let me say this to you. If an angel was to follow us, my, we would live different, wouldn't we? God during the week was going to say to some of us and says, look, I'll send Gabriel with you. My, we would get up in the morning. We would, we would get down on our knees. We would read the Bible. We would go into the community. Men and women, maybe wouldn't even recognize us. Gabriel's here. Have to behave well this week. My, if the apostle Paul was to follow us all week and we were to get up in the morning and Paul was at our side, we would behave different. My, we would be in the prayer meeting on Monday night. We would be reading our word. We would be witnessing to our neighbors. We would live totally different. And yet this verse tells me that there's not an angel at our elbow and the apostle Paul is not at our elbow, but the Lord himself is at our elbow. The Lord. The Lord is at thy side. Now I want to give you a few things this morning. That will change your life and ought to change my life if we really grasp that truth. 
If you and I really laid hold of the truth that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Almighty, the Omnipotent One, is standing, listening, observing, recording at our very elbow, there's nothing that we can hide from Him. All things are open and naked before the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. And just like Hancock during the week, there could be a few of us could be caught out. The first thing, if you cast your eye to verse 1, the first thing that ought to affect us and ought to change us is our testimony. It says in verse 1, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast. That speaks to me of a testimony. And you know, dear men and women today, I wonder what sort of a testimony we have in our community. I wonder what our neighbors think of us, our family think of us, our friends think of us. But what does God think of us? What does God think? The one who's ever there, the one who's close at our side, instead of the old saints of a bygone day that they used to live with God, they were God-conscious. God-conscious. I tell you, dear friends, that's where we need to get back to in Northern Ireland. We need to be men and women that are God-conscious. You see, whenever revival comes, men and women are conscious of God in the community. They can't lie, they can't steal, they can't sin, because they're conscious that God is there. But you and I as believers, we ought to be God-conscious. We ought to be conscious that God is at our very side. Wouldn't our language change if we knew he was there? Imagine the Lord Jesus had followed you during the weekend of the workplace. Would you have said the things that you said? If he was there, would you not have turned around and looked at him? Better not say that. He's, he's here. Would you have looked at the things that you looked at if you knew that the Lord was physically? Would you not have said, oh, I better not look at that. He, he's standing here. With that conversation about another brother or believer that went down the slope into slander and ridicule, what would have happened if he, if he was there? But he was there. The Lord is at thy side. Wouldn't their praying be different if the Lord was at our side? Wouldn't we pray different in the prayer meeting? Wouldn't we pray different at home? if the Lord was physically, tangibly at our side. But he is there. Wouldn't our giving be different? Boys, I tell you, wouldn't, if the Lord Jesus was standing at that box this morning, some of you men, you businessmen, you'd get your wallet out and you'd put a 20 in. Oh, the Lord's watching, I'll put another for you. Do you know, dear friend, he's always there. Always recording. Always watching, always observing. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. Wouldn't our giving be different? Wouldn't our praying be different? Wouldn't our serving be different? Some of you men, whenever you're filling out the tax return forms, you maybe look to see if the wife was there. Whenever she wasn't there, you changed where the dot was. But the Lord was there. The Lord was at your elbow. The Lord was watching. The Lord is recording everything that we do, everything that we say, 
Every deed that we perform, the Lord is at thy elbow. I tell you, dear friends, wouldn't we drive our cars different if he was in the car? My, I was thinking about it this morning. If I got into the car and the Lord Jesus was sitting physically, tangibly in the passenger seat, we'd have the two hands in the wheels. My, we'd have the indicator on every turn. We would stay at 23, 29 instead of 30. We wouldn't think about overtaking on a corner. Do you know, dear friends, saying that, the Lord is at your elbow. The Lord's there. The Lord is at thy side. You know, I believe that's what Enoch grasped. Way back in Genesis, it says that Enoch walked with God. He was a man that knew that the Lord was at his elbow. For 300 years, Enoch walked. Every transaction that he did, every word that he spoke, every thought that went through his mind, it says that Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. God was at his elbow. And dear men and women, this morning, Northern Ireland were full, were full of truth. We're full of it. We're oozing with truth. We're oozing with truth. But James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. The Lord is at thy elbow. The Lord is at thy side. The Lord, the one recording, observing and listening. Wouldn't our obedience be different if the Lord was standing beside us? Some of you people this morning that are not baptized. If the Lord was physically sitting beside you in that seat. Just you imagine for a moment you turn into his eyes. And you see the hands with the nail prints in his hands. You see him there sitting beside you and you look at him and say, Lord, I thank you for dying for me. I thank you, Lord, for shedding your blood, but I'm not going to obey you today. I'm not going to obey you today. Imagine if the Lord told you to remember himself around the Lord's table. Come and do this in remembrance of me. And if he was physically, tangibly at your elbow this morning, would you get up and walk out? Would you, would you walk away? You see, dear friends, we have it programmed in our mind that the Lord is in heaven. He's on a throne and some distant sphere of us, as I've said. But he's at our very elbow morning, noon, and night. He's there. We can't hide from him. We can't cover from him. We can conceal nothing from him. To know that he's at our side. Oh, I tell you, dear friends, how the Lord has convicted my own soul about this during the week. Imagine witnessing to your neighbors if the Lord was at your elbow. Imagine your testimony before your unsaved friends if he was physically, tangibly there. But he is there. I want to rub that in this morning. He is there. He's always at our side. But not only will it affect our testimony, it will affect our consistency. Our consistency. Cast your eye to verse 1 again. It says the Lord. Verse 1, stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Stand fast. Consistency. You know, dear men and women, as we go down into the summer months and every one of us need a break, and you may be head away in your holidays and the Lord will bless you in that. But God wants to see men and women in this assembly who are consistent in the place of prayer. God wants to see men and women who are consistent in laying hold of them in the place of prayer for family members and for souls. Don't go on holidays for two months. Don't go on holidays for two months. Men and women, the devil doesn't go on holidays. 
and get your break and do that and I will do it too. But oh, put your, put your effort into the work. Whenever we get out into the park, be there. If you can be there, be there. Ah, if you can be in the morning meeting, be there. Put your effort into it. Because he's ever at our side. He's at our very elbow. That word to stand fast is a military word. It's the word that was used out in the court whenever they were parading. And this is what it means. I want you to listen to it. The word to stand fast, it is to remain at your position regardless of the movements of others. And everyone else can go and run and hide, but God wants you and I in this dark, deluded hour to stand our ground, to take our stand for him. Oh, don't waver, don't wander from your post this morning. Maybe you're getting it hard wherever God has called you to be, whatever sphere of service he wants you to be. Don't run, friends. Don't run or hide or waver. Stand fast in the Lord. Why? Because he is at your very elbow. At your elbow. I was reading the story during the Civil War recently in America. And on one of the front lines, there was a, a battalion of soldiers and they were surrounded by the enemy. And there was one man, he was a lookout. He went out away out a couple of hundred yards on his own. He was going to blow the trumpet if the enemy came. And he was standing in the, out in the darkness among the trees and he was gripped with fear. He was alone. He was isolated. And the sergeant came. He walked out to him. He stood beside that young corporal and he nudged him on the shoulder and this is what he said, friend, let us stand together. Let us stand together. The Lord is at thy elbow. Don't run, don't waver, don't retreat. Don't give in to the enemy in your family. Don't listen to his lies about your husband or your children. Stand fast in the Lord because the Lord is not only on thy side, the Lord is at thy side. Oh, I think that was, that, that was what gripped Paul. Paul, whenever he was in the prison cell at Rome, he said, all men forsook me. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. I tell you, dear friends, you stand. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Don't listen to the, the lies and the accusations that he's going to damn your children and he's going to destroy your family. Stand. Having done all to stand, Stand ye therefore, for the Lord is at thy very elbow. Let us stand together. Catherine Booth, the wife of William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, was crippled with pain and with bad health for years. Many a time she used to preach, and at the very last hymn she would have had to set her hymn book down and run back and lay down. So bad was the pain. And it was said of Catherine Booth, listen to these words, she fought when she should have rested. She advanced when she should have retreated. She lived when she should have died. Here was a woman, I believe, that grasped the reality that the Lord is on my side, but the Lord is also at my side. Oh, one man with the Lord is a majority. You know, these prayer meetings were full of men and women in lockdown. My, I tell you, they were packed. Lord, open the churches, shame the preachers. Lord, we pray against the, the politicians. But I tell you, dear friends, there's many of them have wavered. There's many of them have gone back. But you stand fast. You stand fast this morning. I was reading recently of a wee woman who wasn't well and she belonged to an assembly. And the elders were talking at the door and they said, she ha she'll not be out this morning, she's not well. 
And then they heard the wee tap, tap, tap of the stick coming around the corner. And who was it? The wee woman, 90 years of age. And they said, Mary, I didn't think you'd be here. Oh, you didn't think I'd be here. But the Lord knew I was going to be here. We're standing together. Standing together. Not only will our testimony be affected, and not only will our consistency be affected, let me say to your friends, disunity will be affected. If you cast your eye to verse 2, it says, I beseech Judas and Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. You see this assembly in Philippi. There was two women in the assembly who were at loggerheads one with another. Now I want you just to listen to me this morning. I wonder is there someone in this assembly that you don't agree with? And there's a contention that has been rising in your heart. Maybe they've said something to you. Maybe they didn't talk to you whenever you, you thought they should have. And there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a root of bitterness that is growing in your heart and you don't want to shake their hand and you, you don't want to see them and you don't want to spend time with them. And you're at loggerheads with them. Well, these two women in the church at Philippi were in that very position. And Paul said to them in verse 2, I beseech that word as the word I beg you. I beg you. You see, dear friends, division is one of the mighty tactics of the enemy in the time of blessing. And it was so lovely yesterday out in peatlands to see men and women spending time one with another. That is precious in the eyes of the Lord. Where the brethren dwell together in unity, it's there the Lord commands the blessing. But in the midst of this assembly at Philippi, there was two people. Two people that could have stopped the whole thing. Now, dear friend, let me say this to you. It could just take two people in this assembly to stop what God is starting to do here. Just two people. Maybe there's two women here. And there's a secret feud going on and I don't know anything about it because if I did, I would do what Paul did. He named it. But dear sisters, let me say this to you. If you don't sort it out, you could stop the blessing here to life. I beg you, get it sorted out. I beseech you. If you cast your eye again to verse 2, it says, Judas, that word is the word fragrant. I tell you, there was no fragrance now. There is no fragrance of mercy or grace now. One old commentator called her odious. <laughs> odious. There's no fragrance now. Just a bad odor coming from her Christian experience. Then there's a woman by the name of Syntyche. Her name means good-natured, but there's no good nature now. They're at loggerheads one with another. And Paul says, I beg you two women, get it sorted out. And I beg you today, dear friends, in the name of the Lord, if you have contention in your heart with any brother or sister, get it sorted out. The Lord Jesus says, if you come to the altar and there remember that thy brother has ought against thee, leave there thine offering before the altar, go first and be reconciled. Then come. Then come. God, I want to say, is speaking to some souls in this meeting, I believe, about this unity, contention in your heart. That root of bitterness that is starting to grow. Oh, dear brothers and dear sisters, deal with it this morning. Deal with it. You know why? The whole motivation for Paul saying that was, the Lord is at your help. The Lord's here, friends. And while you may be able to hide it from the elders of the assembly here, 
Can't hide it from him. He's at thy very elbow. Recording and listening. Every word and every deed. Verse 5, if you cast your eye to verse 5, it says, let your moderation be known unto all men. Just listen to the word of God this morning. That word moderation is the word kindness. It's the word humbleness. It's the word selflessness. You know, that's why Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He said, take the low road. Oh, sisters, in the meeting, if if there's division among you, take the low road. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Don't let pride and bitterness destroy what God has started to do. You remember the church at Corinth? They had all the mighty gifts, gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy, they had the gifts of tongues, they had the gifts of of knowing the future days. But Paul said, you're carnal. Is there not divisions among you? Do you not walk as men? Oh, dear friend, let the word of God just pierce into your heart for a moment now. Is there someone in this meeting that you can't see eye to eye with? Someone maybe that you've been slandering during the week. Maybe there's somebody that you say a negative word about to your husband or your wife and that seed of bitterness has began to grow and God has brought me onto this platform this morning to say I know all about it. I'm at your elbow. I beseech you. I beg you, get it sorted out. Lest you would hinder the blessing of God. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Fight for unity. You know, Tim was saying the other Sunday night about the judgment seat of Christ. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, all our labors and all our works will go through the fire. And the Lord's going to expose all of our labors. But listen to this, friends. In Romans chapter 14, he talks about the judgment seat again. And he says in Romans chapter 14 that every one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and every man shall give account of himself. And that's to do with your love for one for another. I want you to imagine me now just for a moment. You can imagine yourself, but I'm just talking to you this morning. I don't want to preach to you anymore. I'm just talking to you now. I want you just to imagine Stephen Riddle at the Bema seat. And I have to give an account of my life and my love for you dear people here. And the Lord looks into my eyes and he says, Stephen, you were in the lifeboat assembly. Yes, Lord, I was there. How much did you love the people? Oh, Lord, I took the odd meeting. And I was in the prayer meeting. I didn't ask you that, Stephen. How much did you love them? Oh, Lord, I done the doors. and I didn't ask you that. I asked you how much did you love them? And every man shall give account of himself at the beam of seat of Christ to do with how much we love one another. Friends, does that not convict your heart? Hereby shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye love one another. Lord is at our elbow. He's there. Indeed he is. He'll be there after this meeting. He'll be there whenever you go to work tomorrow. 
He'll be listening. He'll be recording. Oh, oh, she did that, did she? Oh, she said that about another believer. Oh, I must just write that down. Just at her elbow. But not only will this truth affect us in our disunity, if there is any, and our testimony and our consistency. Finally, I want to close by saying this. If you and I as believers really grasp the truth that the Lord Jesus Christ was at our very elbow, it would affect us with our worry. Our worry. I wonder, do you worry? I wonder, do you know what it is to lie at night and worry about the family or about the future or the health and you lie awake at night and your mind is tormented with worry? Well, if you cast your eye on down to verse 6, as we come to a close, Paul says, be careful for nothing. That word careful is the word to be pulled apart. To be pulled apart with worry. To be pulled apart with, with anxiety and with fear. To be pulled in two different directions. The old English root word is the word to be strangled with fear. To be strangled with fear. And Paul, he says, be careful for nothing. You'll remember the wee house in, in Bethany. In Luke's gospel. There was Mary and there was Martha. And the Lord Jesus said to Martha, Thou art careful and troubled about many things. And dear friends, in this meeting, as I come to a close, you could be sitting in this very gathering and you could be careful and troubled about many things that I don't know anything about this morning, but God knows because he's at your very elbow. The one who's always there, the one who's watching, maybe you're worried this morning about provision. I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I want to tell you this, dear friends. Our nation is going into hard times. We've rode and lived on the crest of the wave for long enough with prosperity. But I want to tell you, God's going to put his hand on all the want that we have. And we are going to go into a time of great difficulty and great need. Men and women who have lived off the bank and off the money and off all their goods, I want to tell you we're going into dark days. Days of deep recession. Days where bills will not be paid. Days where the money that we used to have will no longer be there. Provision. If you cast your eye to verse 19, Paul said this to the church at Philippi. He said, but my God shall supply all of your need. And if you're in this meeting this morning and you're worried about your provision, you're worried about how you're going to look after your family, you're worried about how you're going to meet the need, how you're going to feed them and clothe them and pay all of the utility bills, listen to this mighty promise in verse 19. He said, My God shall supply all of your need. What a promise this morning. What a truth that the Lord, the one who is at our very elbow, not only knows the need, but can meet the need. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. He fed a million and a half people in the wilderness for 40 years. He fed the 5,000 at the side of the sea. The psalmist could say, my cup runneth over. He'll meet the need. 
And whenever your need is in this assembly this morning, I want to tell you that God is able to meet your need. God is able to meet your need. The one who is at your elbow. The one who is at your side. The one who is always there is able to meet the need. And I quoted it already in Psalm 23. It says, "He, my cup floweth over. It overfloweth. One translation of that is, my cup is flooded. Flooded with the mercy of God. Oh, dear friends, this morning. The goodness and the mercy of God. Thank God he floods the cup. He floods the cup. He doesn't just give joy. He gives joy unspeakable and full of glory. He just doesn't give peace. He gives the peace that passes all understanding. He just doesn't give us life. He gives us life more abundantly. He floods the cup. He floods the cup. Ah, you're maybe worried this morning about provision. You've heard the story about two little birds that were in the tree and they started to talk one to another. And this is a lovely little poem. It said, said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. And the one who feeds the sparrows the one who feeds the ravens in the air, he's mine, and he's at my very elbow. My God shall supply all of your need. Worried about provision quickly, worried about the present, cast your eye to verse 9. The end of verse 9 it says, And the God of peace shall be with you. At your very elbow. The God of peace. Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. You could maybe be going into a hospital appointment during the week. And you could maybe be going to a home of contention after this meeting. And you could maybe be going into the trials and the storms. And you're worried about the present and what's going to come. The God of peace shall be with thee at your very elbow. And this is the last one, and then I'm finished. Worried about provision. Worried about the present. Worried about the future. wonder are you worried about the future in these dark days? Dark, deluded days. Worried about the future. If you cast your eye to to verse 7, it says the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God. I want to tell you, dear friends, the devil doesn't disturb the peace of God. All the terrorism around the world doesn't disturb the peace of God. And the one who's at our very elbow, the one who is the God of peace, gives to us his very own peace. And it says there, shall keep, shall keep your hearts and your minds. That's the word to garrison, to guard, to close in. Dear friends, take that with you during the week. That was the very peace that kept Paul in the storm in Acts chapter 27. The peace of God that passes all understanding. That was the peace that came upon Peter whenever he was in the prison cell with 16 soldiers and two chains and three gates. 
going to be executed and he lay down to sleep because the peace of God kept his very soul. That was the peace that kept Daniel in the lion's den. That was the peace that kept John on the Isle of Patmos and dear men and women this morning in the lifeboat fellowship. It'll be the very same peace that will keep you. The peace of God that passes all understanding because the Lord is at thy very elbow. Oh, would to God I could drum that into your heart this morning. At your very side. At your very elbow. I tell you, it'll, it'll change your testimony. It'll deal with any disunity. It'll deal with her consistency in the place of service for the Lord. And it'll deal, and it should deal with her worry. Worry. Deep down in your soul, a place of worry. The Almighty One. The All-Sufficient One. The Altogether Lovely One. Listen to this. Is the All-Present One. The Lord is at thy elbow. I was singing this in the car this morning. It was a bit out of tune whenever I was singing it, but this is what I was singing. Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace. Over all victorious in its bright increase. Perfect yet it floweth, fuller every day. Perfect yet it groweth deeper all the way. Hidden in the hollow of his blessed hand. Never foe can follow, never traitor stand. Not a surge of worry, not a shade of care, not a blast of hurry shall touch the spirit there. Well, the Lord's at your elbow. He'll be there. The Lord is at hand. He'll be there tomorrow. He'll be there during the week. He'll be watching. He'll be observing. He'll be strengthening. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. My friend, if there's any contention in your heart with another believer, you get it sorted out. You go and see that person. You go and take them by the hand and say, look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if there's any root of bitterness that has begun to grow. Put your arm around them. Let, let us see the blessing of God. If there's things in our lives that need to change, words that we use, transactions that we do, places where we go, may we be conscious that God is there. The Lord is at thy elbow.